Welcome to the J.D. Power Travel Podcast. I'm Michael Vermillion with J.D. Power, and with me today are Mike Taylor, who is our travel practice, Jenny Corwin, our lead analyst for travel, and Andrea Stokes, our practice leader for hospitality. So Mike, Jenny, Andrea, welcome. Hello. 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 So big news in the travel industry uh, this month, and uh, it's even having an impact on the stock market uh, today, is the uh, coronavirus. Uh, so um, we'd like to take a look uh, the point of view on this from the uh, the industry perspective, so the brands, uh, but also the uh, what you know what it means to, to travelers. So, so Andrea, why don't we start with hospitality? Um, how is the uh, hospitality industry uh, dealing with this um, the coronavirus, and, and what kind of grade would you give them? Well, definitely it's affecting their operations in China. So uh, I think Hyatt Hotels recently uh, mentioned that 26 of their China properties were closed. Uh, IHG, uh, I think, said 160 of their China properties are closed or partially closed. Um, So obviously, you know, closed properties um, are not... Uh, making money for their owners, and they're also not open for the workers to uh, come in and and earn their paychecks, right? So um, it's it's kind of a snowballing issue uh, for hospitality right now. Um, it's affecting you know not only transient uh, travelers, but also meetings and events. Um, I think recently it was reported that. There was a cluster of coronavirus cases traced to a meeting, um, a conference that was actually held at a hotel. So I think hotels, the hotel chains, the large hotel chains anyway, are being very cautious, which is good. Um, I think they acted early to completely close hotels. I think it was uh, really a point where they had no choice. Um, especially when, you know, workers were being, um, citizens and workers were being quarantined in their homes and obviously couldn't get, couldn't get to their jobs, including hospitality jobs. So, uh, it's a major issue and the large chains have indicated that, that the coronavirus will affect, uh, you know, revenue, uh, in 2020, uh, to the point of, you know, millions of dollars. Uh, in losses uh, just just from China. I think so far, um, because, uh, you know, most of their business is, is outside of China, the hospitality chains, the large chains anyway, are doing okay in other region, regions of the world. As long as, uh, right, the coronavirus uh, transmission and cases don't get worse outside of China, um, Obviously, new cases keep popping up in different countries, and that's that is something to watch. Uh, but China outbound tourists really do not make up uh, a huge percent of of the business for most hotel hotel chains outside of China. Oh, thanks, Andrea. So, so just to, to build on that. Um Jenny, I think one of the questions that this has raised is how how important is China to the travel industry, and 
and in particular Chinese travelers to the U.S. travel industry? Yeah, thanks, Mike. So I think, you know, Chinese tourism to the U.S., at one point they reached the fifth largest uh, of the international travelers, inbound travel to the U.S., um, we saw a decline, which is actually concerning. You know, a lot of that was based on politics and things like that over the last couple of years. Um, but there are sources that are estimating that this coronavirus will be, um, we're going to see a loss of $10 billion in spending in the U.S. travel market. Um, they're estimating about 1.6 million less uh, visitors to the U.S. from China because of this. So um, while it isn't the largest proportion of inbound tourism by any means, um, $10 billion is certainly a, a substantial amount. And this is across all of travel, not just the hotel space. But still, um, I, I think we are going to see hotels impacted by this. And then would you couple that with the fact the loss of business in China by having to close? Um, you know, it, it's going to be pretty impactful in the hospitality industry. Okay. Thanks, Jenny. Well, let's hope for, for better news uh, soon. So just switching to another topic, uh, let's go to airports, Mike. And uh, we saw some news recently uh, about a new partnership between Starbucks and OTG. And uh, I think this this is replacing a relationship that um, the company had with HMS Host. So, mm-hmm. so what's happening here? What, is this good news, bad news? Are we going to be are we actually going to see more coffee and fewer lines? <laughs> I probably will see a fewer lines. Uh, you know, OTG stands for on the go. And just for those who are not familiar with the concept, that's when you're walking into an airport terminal, you see those iPads on stands, uh, that, you know, where you can order right from your gate, basically, or your seat. And those have become extraordinarily prevalent. The OTGs had a lot of expansion in the last three to four years. And um, one of the things we see in the J.D. Power data actually is what I call the coffee effect. Uh, we have some terminals that perform better than others, especially in morning flights as far as satisfaction goes, simply because there's coffee available in one terminal and not the other, you know, or at least there's small outlets where, you know, people are standing in line and they can't get coffee before they get to their want to get to their gate. So OTG is going to take a little bit of a, a pressure off of Starbucks. You don't actually have to line up as much. Um, there will probably also be two-gate delivery or two-seat uh, delivery uh, for Starbucks. Uh, and Starbucks is extraordinarily popular around the world, as we all know, simply because it takes that McDonald's uh, paradigm, which is delivering the same experience no matter where you are. You can go to Starbucks in Singapore. It looks exa- exactly like and tastes exactly like the Starbucks in Seattle does. So that's a that's the good part of it. Um, we also see, however, some of the downside from the, some of the terminal facility scores that we see in our JD Power North American study, and that when OTG comes in, it kind of takes up space that people want to either you know relax in or work at um, because those um, you know those iPads are hard mounted, you can't move them around. If you want to use your own laptop, you're kind of run, sometimes you run out of space, and space is at a premium as we all know because of the number of passengers that are. Uh, access, accessing airports. So there's a good part of it, which is more people will probably get more coffee and the coffee that they want um, within a, across a terminal. Uh, and then the downside might be there's going to be a little bit more space restriction and also some visual pollutions because that visual pollution because those iPads are always on and um, they do uh, become quite a bit quite a bit of a distraction. Uh, if you've ever been to the terminal, see it at Newark, you can understand why. Okay, thanks, Mike. So we'll uh, we'll look forward to that at the airport. Uh, Jenny, moving to the digital side of the travel industry, uh, I saw some recent news around Google Flights 
and uh, Google's decision to stop charging for leads to airlines and OTAs. Uh, so, so what's going on there? Why are they making that decision, and what's the impact going to be on the industry? Well, I mean, I, I think the why is is a bit convoluted, um, but you know, from what we can tell, you know, Google doesn't need that that revenue particularly. It was a small portion of their revenue to begin with, if they were getting much at all. Um, I think they've also got some, some pending litigation that they're trying to sort out in, in Brussels regarding some antitrust. So I think by offering it for free, it kind of opens that door a little bit. Um, but I, I also think with it, from Google, you know, from their perspective, expanding their user base is always the end goal, right? Um, and so by offering some of these lead-free services, um, you know, they're not they're, – they're benefiting by getting more eyes on getting to be the channel that most people are starting to prefer. Um, I, I think in terms of impact on the industry, it's going to become a more of a danger to some of the aggregators out there. So, you know, sites like the kayak and uh, trips.com and things like that, where um, you weren't really making the booking uh, through the site. It was just aggregating it and they were most of their revenues based on ad revenue. Right. So we're going to see um, as, as people start to use Google flights and things like that more often, for right now, um, you know that's definitely a uh, a big disruption to the to the existing aggregators, and we're already seeing some of the aggregators changing their business model and looking to be more of an, a full service OTA as opposed to an aggregator in a response to this. Um, so I think we're going to see some shifting in the in the industry uh, as as Google Flights continues to uh, take off, unintended, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. Thanks, uh, thanks, Jenny. I appreciate that pun. Uh, so, Mike, just to finish up with airlines, uh, recent news about a new alliance between Alaska Airlines and American Airlines. Um, that's, I think it's going to connect um, Alaska's West Coast network to America's international routes. So, what, what's the um, what's the impact on travelers going to be? Is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it'll probably be generally a good thing. I think, especially for both airlines. Alaska Airlines' model has been, let's dominate the West Coast, and they've been trying to get into markets up and down the West Coast as much as they can. And so by partnering in the One World Alliance with American and code sharing, this sort of brings them expansion at very little cost. And also, you know, as we see in our J.D. Power North American Airlines study, you know, Alaska has been a high performer for many, many years. Uh, people do enjoy flying uh, that airline. They do score generally higher than American Airlines. So American Airlines is going to benefit by uh, allowing uh, their passengers to you know, reap the benefits of how well Alaska does, especially with the people scores they have and the way they operate their fleet. Um, and it also, this also takes advantage of really a, a new kind of ge geography that's happening in Seattle. You know, they recently opened and they're continuing to fit out their new international terminal at Seattle International Airport. Uh, which is a big improvement uh, over the previous international area, not really such as much of a terminal, but international area at Seattle. So they've had the space there, and so Americans are going to be able to take advantage of that by uh, moving into that space along with those code shares for Alaska. So that'll be a good thing. And Alaska passengers will get access to lounges and, of course, uh, AA uh, American Advantage um, uh, loyalty program uh, will apply to both Alaska and to American as well. So it's probably a good thing. So this is really just a, kind of one of those big macroeconomic plays 
that are happening in the airline industry. People are trying to assert their dominance um, by dominating certain routes. And we see this go up and down as a cycle in the airline industry. Uh, Northwest Airlines was the classic example of a airline that just simply dominated the Detroit market and everything that came out of the Detroit market. And Alaska has been trying to do that in Seattle. Um, they just don't have the uh, capacity in which to do it, despite the fact that they acquired Virgin America. But uh, that's still, their fleet is much smaller than Americans. And the reach uh, for the type of aircraft you're going to be getting on, if you are an Alaska code chair flying on an American aircraft, you'll be able to get to Asia a lot easier as well, where you couldn't do that on Alaska before. So this is probably overall net a good thing. And taking advantage of some of the certain physical uh, improvements that have happened at Seattle Airport as well. Okay, thanks, Mike. So, Mike and Jenny and Andrea, thanks for joining us today. You're quite welcome. Yeah, thanks for having us. And thanks to our listeners for joining as well. To learn more about the J.D. Power Travel Practice, please follow us on LinkedIn in the Showcase section, or you can visit us on the web at jdpower.com business, and we'll see you next time. 